Daniel chapter 3. Well, I'm super excited you're here today. We're starting a new series called Breaking Point. Um, and throughout the month of February, we'll be talking about this theme and looking at the moments in Scripture when uh, different scriptural characters had um, a, a breaking point, a moment. I remember when I first went to college at uh, Florida, I was a Tennessee boy raised way inland. And I went to college and some guys told me about um, this thing called boogie board, boogie boarding. Anybody, anybody know what a boogie board is, right? So being adventurous, uh, they wanted a boogie board. And so we said, well, where's the best waves in the state of Florida? You know, we got nothing but time, right? What's the best? So we found this little place called Sebastian Inlet over on the east coast, about two-hour drive. We went over, we got there. And uh, not having one lick of sense, uh, we, we rent these boogie boards, not knowing anything about the water. All the water that I had been in in my life really had no current. It was a, you know, a creek or a, a small river or something like that. So we go to this uh, beach, and uh, little did I know that this was where the Florida State surfing competition was every year. And I'd only been in the ocean once in my life, and it was in the Gulf and the other side, and it wasn't very strong. And uh, I don't know if, if you've been to the beach, you realize they put out uh, flags of different colors to tell you when to get in the water and when not to get in the water. And the red flag was out, which should tell you everything you need to know. Not having a lick of sense, it told us nothing. Somebody said the red flag's out. I said, what does that mean? They said, oh, that means the waves are really strong. I said, great. We came at the perfect day. So we got our little boogie board and we jumped out, which is about a half a surfboard. It's, it's kind of like surfing for dummies. It, it, it's about like half a board and you kind of lay on it. And uh, also little did I know that this was the area, there's a long jetty along that side where people come and fish and they throw all the guts and stuff back in the water and people who fly over in a helicopter tell me it's completely shark infested. And there's sharks everywhere. I didn't know it. We didn't have any sharks in the water where I was from. Know anything about that. So I get out there in the middle of the water and I'm paddling, 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 paddling. But the waves are coming in so violently that I can't get out far enough to boogie board. I mean, I'm paddling and paddling and stroking and killing it, and there's undertow and riptide and stuff's going crazy. And these, these waves are maybe, maybe five or six feet. I mean, these are, if you've been in that kind of water, this is violent water. And we're chop, chopping out there, chopping out there. Took me a half hour to get out far enough to boogie board. And when I got out there, Something happened. I hit this invisible line in the water nobody told me about that once you get out, the water stops pushing you in and starts sucking you to Cuba. <laughs> I didn't know that. So the water's pulling me out. Now I can't get back in. And now I'm paddling, 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 and I just keep being sucked out. I don't know anything about this. I'm just out there going, yay, the red flag. Then I'm out there being sucked to another country. And I'm stroking and chopping and moving and chopping. And, and all, finally, after another half hour, I've been out in the water an hour, I hadn't had any fun. After another half hour, I make it back to that invisible line. Nobody told me where it was or how to get there or that it was coming. I finally made it back to that line. I made it over it. And I caught a wave and it was like somebody strapped a rocket to my back. And I'm thinking, whoa! 
this is fun. And then, and then all of a sudden, uh, it, it ends. And I sort of, whoo, and the board pops up like that. And that's why they got it like chained to you. It pops up like that, and your arm goes that way. And, and, I, and I just go, whoo. I stand up, and I'm dizzy, and, I, and I'm about uh, waist-deep water, a little higher than waist. And I go to turn around, go, I wonder if I could... Just get garbled. And I didn't have enough sense because we didn't have this kind of water where I was from. I didn't know to close your mouth. I'm, Woo! I'm sucking salt water down. And I'm choking to death, and I get up the second time, and I feel like I was going to drown. I mean, I feel like I was going to drown. And I get up, and stuff's running all out my nose and my mouth. And I'm trying to get my breath, and I can't breathe. The salt water's killing me. And I get up to, to a little below my waist, and just as I turn around, I can, oh, no, I can feel it. I'm just a true story. I'm not making it. I feel bam! And I'm telling you, God is my witness. That wave took my head, and the next thing I felt was sand on my cheek. Pow! I was on the floor of the ocean. Bam! And that boogie board's popping like, like a bobber that you caught a fish. It's just going around. And finally I get up. I, I, I promise. There was a moment in there I went, uh, 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 this is the big one. I'm coming home. I'm out. I thought I was going to die. And I, and, I, and I get up and the water's to my knees. And I thought, what could happen to you with the water on your knees? It's too shallow. I'll be fine now. I'm coughing and choking and gasping for breath and salt water's flowing out everything I got. All my plumbing's got salt water in it. And I stand up and I'm telling you, I'm telling you the gospel truth. Another wave hit me in the back and laid me out flat again. I thought, I'm going to die. Finally, I get up again and you're going to tell me I'm lying. I'm telling you. I got up again, clear the salt water out of my eyes. I can't breathe. I can't, I'm coughing. I'm looking around. I look over, and there's a shark fin like this coming at me. And I went, I went, I, I'm, God's trying to kill me. I'm really going to die. And that thing went underwater, and I, whoa! The only thing worse than a shark fin above water, that's right. And, and, and then it resurfaced, went past me, and cruised on. I crawled to the beach after about an hour and 15 minutes of fun. And I laid on the earth. And I kissed the sand. And I, and I, I know they were calling, like Baywatch was coming. They thought I was going to die. I'm laying there on the sand, crumpled up, going, done. Kirk out. I am done boogie boarding with the red flag. Now, one thing I learned when I was doing that is there is a critical point where the water pulls you in, and when you get over that point, a place where the water pulls you out. But that point is critical because it changes your direction. This is what a breaking point is. It's a critical moment that defines your faith and changes your direction. Now, you may be familiar with the story this morning of the three young men who were thrown into a furnace to be burned alive for their faith. If not, I want you to zoom in with me. And if you are familiar with it, I want you to try to see the story from a different angle like it's the first time that you've heard it. I just want to quickly tell you the story, and then I'm going to give you three thoughts 
about breaking point moments in our life. King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon who had risen to great power and domination. And some yes men that were in his cabinet decided a great thing to do would be to build a giant statue out of gold because they were so wealthy they wanted to show it off. Bring the kings, the royal band, play the music. When the music plays, everybody in the nation bows down and worships this statue. The reason, it was sort of a loyalty test. The reason for this is because there were so many ethnicities in Babylon at the time. The king wanted a loyalty test to see who's going to be loyal to us and who's not. Among those groups were 50,000, the Bible said, God-fearing Jews. So there were among those 50,000 Jews, three young men who were in a dilemma. And I, I've been wondering as I read the story, why, why were those three the only ones that refused to worship that statue? Why did the other 50,000 not do that? Now, you, can you just hear them now as the, as the music plays and everybody starts worshiping the idol the statue, and then these three guys are standing in the back saying no. Can you just imagine what those other 50,000 Jews must have... Can you hear them? Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on, don't make it tough on all of us. You don't have to mean it in your heart. Just bow. You're making us all look bad. You're, I know you're all spiritual. I know you pray a lot. I know you're holier than everybody else. Just bow down and take the pressure off. It's the law. You have to do it. God will understand. And this is where we pick the story up in Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him when he, when he said, bow down. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If you've got a pen, I want you to circle three phrases. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, circle that, is able. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it and, circle this, he will. Is able and he will. Deliver us from your majesty's hand, but, circle this, even if he does not. Even if he does not. We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Now that couldn't have been easy to say. I have a feeling they said it with a lump in their throat. I have a feeling there were butterflies in their stomach when they said it, even though they knew it was the right thing to say. Now, let's look for a minute at what they actually said. They said, he is able, that's a fact, God's able to deliver. They said, he will deliver, that's faith in the face of fear. There's two powerful statements of faith, but neither of those statements cooled the flames down in the furnace. C.S. Lewis said, we're not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us, we're wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. They said... One more thing that, in my view, tied the first two statements together. The last statement is faith, I would call, in real time. In other words, we don't get the luxury of seeing the future, and we don't get the luxury of seeing the present in hindsight. We live our faith out in the moment. Sometimes in uncertainty, not knowing what will happen, it's the breaking point we're talking about. But even if he does not, we will not worship the statue. Now, was that a lack of faith? I don't think it was a lack of faith as much as it was great faith. I think it was extraordinary faith. In fact, I think it was so much faith, the only thing you could actually call it is trust. 
Faith is not believing God will. Faith is believing God can and trusting Him to do the right thing. Let me say that again. Faith is not believing God will. Faith is believing God can and trusting Him to do the right thing. This was their breaking point. It was the very point at which their faith broke loose and their confidence was in God and in nothing else. They had no promise of how it would turn out. One night a large ferry was making its way across Lake Erie toward Cleveland. And all the a storm roared up and uh, the storm threatened to sink the ferry. And all the passengers were, this is a true story, were all up in arms except for one woman who seemed to be unusually calm. And so the people around her asked, how can you be so calm at a moment like this? And she said, I have one daughter in Cleveland and I have another one that's already in heaven. Tonight I'm going to see one of them. It's a whole different perspective. Probably with tears and fears, they managed to make their incredible statement of faith, but it really came down to, am I going to trust God or not? That's the cliffhanger moment that you and I face when we face an unknowable future in uncertain circumstances, when we face the fire. Will we trust God or not? Stoddard Kennedy was a chaplain during World War II. And he was often, uh, as a chaplain, put in the front line of battle to minister to the soldiers. Uh, one day, when he was coming through France, he wrote a letter to his 10-year-old son. Listen to his words. The first prayer I want my son to learn to say for me is not, God, keep daddy safe. But listen to these words. It's the words we sang this morning. God, make daddy brave. And if he has hard things to do, make him strong enough to do them. Now when the three young men stood and refused to worship, it made the king so mad, he had their hands and their feet tied together. He heated the furnace up seven times hotter than it was previously. It was so hot, in fact, when the soldiers that came near the furnace threw the three guys in it, it burned them to death just by going close enough to it to put somebody in it. In Daniel 3, 24 through 27, something unexpected happened. Look at verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and, very important, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Now they're servants of the Most High God. Come out. Come here. So, so they came out. And, and the uh, government officials uh, crowded around. Everybody wants to know what's going on. They saw the fire had not harmed everybody. You could just see a guy kind of, uh, come. okay, let me touch your skin, but let me wet it first at least. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads uh, singed, their robes were not scorched, and there were no smell of fire on them. Did you catch that? Several times we read, bound hands, bound feet, tied together, but after they got into the fire, we read that they're walking around freely. Now, I want to simply give you, if you got something to write with, three quick thoughts from this story from these men's breaking point that will help us in the moments of faith in real time. Here's the first one. God sometimes uses breaking points to free us from things 
that hinder us. Now, I can't get comfortable with a theology that says that God causes most of our suffering. I can't get comfortable with that theology. I can't interpret, I can't understand a God that would enact the kind of suffering that I see on the wor- in the world today. I can't get comfortable with that, but I am confident that we have a God that won't waste any of it. He will redeem even our worst moments. Now these three men were tied with ropes on their hands and feet. They entered the fire bound, but they walked out free. The only thing that the fire burned were the ropes or the bondages. There are some things that life binds us up with that we will only be free of at the breaking point. Some of you this morning are walking through fire. Some of you are walking through challenges. Some of you are walking through limitations and frustrations and it's heating up and you're sweating and you're struggling. But I have good news for you today. I hear the rope starting to stretch. I hear the material, the fabric is starting to give way. Under the heat, the thread is loosening. Somehow in this fire, you found God in a way you couldn't find Him when the cool air was blowing on your face. The bondages that held you back are coming off. Don't give up now. You're almost at a breaking point. The fire that was meant to kill them actually was the thing that set them free. It reminds me when Joseph at the end of his life said, what the enemy meant for bad, God meant for good. You may be walking through the fire, but I guarantee you there'll be some freedoms in that fire you have that you didn't have before. Here's the second thought. The first one is God sometimes uses the fire to free you from some things that hinder you. Here's the second thought. God sometimes uses breaking points to promote us. The last sentence of chapter 3 says, the three guys come out of the fire, they're not harmed in any way, they got their regular clothes on their head, and they can't even smell like smoke. And the Bible says that the king promoted them. Promoted them. It's been my observation in Scripture and my experience that most promotion in the kingdom of God comes with a little fire. It comes with some struggle. My first regular preaching assignment was at a small church that had been neglected and abused and the pastor had stolen the money and ran away and, the, and on a good Sunday they had about seven people. And my, that was my first preaching assignment. I filled in for several months when I was in the middle of college. I filled in for that church and I preached every week. And I would dress up in a suit, and I would study, and I would pray, and I would show up and preach the mountains down like we were at Joel Olstein's arena. And, and I'd just electrocute those poor people, dangle them over hell for a few minutes, and then pray for them before we left. And the shocking part is they actually paid me for that. They gave me $50 a week. But my heart was moved for that little church because I knew the rejection and neglect they suffered and I didn't want to be like that other pastor so I worked a full-time job at the time and I tithed back more than they paid me and then I gave them the fifty dollars back in the offering every week because I, I didn't want to I didn't want to be like that other guy and I remember there was a guy in the church named brother white no relation to Clark maybe he used to always say I say always he told me a few times he's country guy he reupholstered furniture all his life. 
And he said, you know what, Brother Jay? He'd look at me through his glasses. He said, 30 minutes is plenty long for a good sermon and too long for a bad one. (laughs) And all the time I knew him, he never told me which one I gave him. I don't know what he was trying to say. But I can tell you there were some weeks that were tough. And you know what I noticed? Now I get up every Sunday morning and I come and I talk to you. There's not seven people, there's hundreds. But you know what? I prayed and I studied and I prepared just as hard then as I do now. And through those fiery times, God promotes See, God wanted to do something incredible in Babylon. He wanted to do something powerful in this city. 50,000 Jews worshipped a statue. How could God trust them with what He wanted to do? We always talk about trusting God. What about God trusting us? How could God do anything other than trust these three who had walked out of the fire? Would you, just, would you just trust God with me that He's using the fire in your life somehow this morning to promote you? Sometimes God uses a breaking point to free us. Sometimes God uses a breaking point to promote us. Let me give you the last one. But always, let me give you a certain statement. 100% of the time, without exception, always God uses breaking points to reveal Himself. Always. The Bible says, when they looked into the furnace, they saw a fourth man walking in the fire. It could have been an angel. It could have been Jesus. One thing we know for sure, whoever it was, it was at least God's presence. God was in the fire. Now, I want to say something to you that I'd love for you to take in your heart and meditate on. I don't know why, but I know it to be true. When we walk through the fire, Jesus gets clearer to those around us. I don't know why. When they're building the golden statue to worship, they can't see God. When they're organizing the band for the big day, they can't see God. When they force everyone to bow down, they can't see God. But somehow when you put God's children in the fire, all of a sudden now, everybody around can see God. I don't want to go through the fire, but I want to see God. And what's interesting about that is, is the people around the child of God in the fire can see God better than the child in the fire. As Satan said to God about Job, of course he serves you. Look how blessed he is. Anyone can serve God in the cool of the blessing, but what about the heat of the trial? Some of the greatest revelations I've ever seen in my life of Jesus have been in breaking points in people's lives. In a breaking point. For those of you walking through a fire this morning, I want you to know at least one last truth. When you walk through the fire, not only will those around you see Jesus in the fire, but Jesus will walk through the fire with you. He'll be in the fire.
He'll be in the flame. He'll be in the heat. He'll be in the moment. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He will be there when you feel Him. He will be there when you don't. He will be there when you register that He's there and He'll be there when you don't. He will not only be seen by those, but He'll be walking beside you. He will always be with His children in the fire. Sometimes it's hard to see Him in the fire, but He's there. I'm going to ask our our worship team to come. And I want to close with this and I want to invite you to prayer. I really feel like the Holy Spirit gave me specific direction for prayer this morning. After our fast ended, I called our staff together for prayer. And I asked our guys, um, what did you... What did we learn during our fast this year? What, did, what, did, what became clearer to us that God was doing at Kingwood Church? In our hearts, in our lives, in our families in this church. What, what, did, what did it seem, what seemed to become clear? And one by one, although they said it different ways, everybody said the same thing. Listen to this. It seemed like what God was doing and saying is that He's close. That He's here. That He's present. That He's working. That He's involved. That He hasn't forgotten. He hasn't looked away. That He's here. He's close. That that God somehow is restoring hope and producing good things and He's close. Now I asked them, well then, what can we do to participate. If that's what the Holy Spirit's doing, what can we do to join Him and be a part of it? And it seemed like to us, the answer was, raise our awareness level that God is here. Are you aware? Are you aware that God is here? Tomorrow morning when you get in your car and you go to commute to work, are you aware that God is there you don't need a song you don't need a scripture you don't need a you don't need a band you don't need a moment you don't need a church God is present and the only thing that changes is our awareness of that that's it nothing else ever really changes you you come here during the fast and, and during our healing and freedom night and you got people running around with their hair on fire going God's here Woo! Then you come on Sunday morning on a, on a lost, abandoned Sunday in July when everybody's on vacation and everybody's looking around going, Well, I don't know where God is. I guess God went on vacation. He's in Panama City. Boogie board. What changed? Our awareness. Nothing else can possibly change. God doesn't change, does He? So this morning, I want you to stand with me and I want to ask our prayer team to come. I I know we're a couple of minutes later than normal, but here's what I want to ask you to do. This is a very important moment. I believe that what God said to my heart, I heard God say, today is a day of refreshing. Today is a day of hope. Today is a day of healing and strength and encouragement. 
And every eye closed in the room, you're here in this morning and you're, you're in the fire. You're in a trial. You're struggling. It might be in your health. It might be in your sickness. It might be in finance. It might be you need a job. It might be relationship. It might be in your faith. You're struggling to believe. It might be an addiction. It might be an emotional struggle. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit says today, today is a day of refreshing and healing and freedom and promotion and strength and affirmation and God is with you. The question now is, will you respond? That's all that's left. It's all that's left. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to invite you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the celebration, the joy, the peace, the water baptisms, the, the, the missions trip to China, all that we've experienced today. Our heart is full and your will is clear. God, I pray today we would meet you. We would see you in the fire. We would see you in it. This morning, if you say, I'm in a trial, I'm in a struggle, I want you just to lift your hand. I want you to just lift your hand and say, that's me. I'm in it. I'm struggling. I'm challenged. I'm working. I'm looking. I'm searching. I'm longing. I'm trying to break through. I'm trying to get past it. I see your hands up. Now as the worship team begins to sing, I want you to come and let someone agree with you in prayer. There is power in agreement in prayer. Let's have this morning a moment of refreshing, a moment of strength and breakthrough and promotion. You make me brave. Isn't that a good song? God, make us brave. God, make us brave. Help us, Lord. Shake us and help us. Move us. Fill us today. Come on, just lift your hand up today and let it be your prayer. We'll go in just a minute. Just lift your hand up. God, make me brave. God, make me brave. Make me strong enough, Lord. I'm not strong enough. It's okay for that to be your confession. I'm too weak. It's like the brother that went through the water baptism this morning, drowning in alcohol, lost two children. God, make him brave today. Make us brave today. Make us brave today, God. Jesus' name.